0: Today being Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday of the octave of Easter, it is a cra- an occasion of great hope, hope because as we hear in the gospel that our blessed Lord has given the power to forgive sins to men, to the men of the church, to be able to know that, that whenever we come and we seek mercy, it can be found. And the infinite mercy that is given to us and spoken to us uh, in the message of Divine Mercy uh, is something that is meant to be a message of hope for us, so that there is that there is absolutely nothing that Christ cannot and will not forgive, if we are willing to repent of it, if we are willing to come seek His mercy, it is found. It's a message of mercy, a message of hope, that one is never so far gone that one can't come back to Christ. One is never so far gone that there is no more hope for them in Christ. There is always hope. And as we come, we also hear our second reading today, which speaks of this reality of the hope that awaits us, the heavenly joy. And to this, we would add our reflections on the ascension of our Lord, the second glorious mystery, as we continue in our meditations and reflections upon the, most, the mysteries of the most holy rosary and the fruits that they are to bear in us. And so to reflect upon this mystery of the ascension, We know that the ascension took place. The gospel narratives indicate that our Lord, indeed, He came down among us. He took on our flesh. In the end, He brought it to the cross. He was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, He rose and was resurrected. And after 40 days of earthly appearances to the disciples and apostles, which we hear sprinkled throughout this holy season, on the 40th day, He ascended into heaven with our humanity and thus was seated at the right hand of the Father and awaits us. The chapel that commemorates the spot we were unable to visit while we were there in the Holy Land, but is a chapel that nonetheless exists, the image of it being there on the front of the bulletin this weekend. And it was originally designed as an open-air chapel because the Lord ascended to the heavens. So you don't want to put a roof on the thing, right? Uh, and so it was intentionally built to to, to be open-air as a as an architectural reflection of the mystery of the of the ascension of the Lord, of his going up into the heavens. Some kind souls have since then put a, a roof on the thing, but. That's a different discussion, uh, but in its original form, it was meant to be uh, an architectural meditation upon the ascension to look up into the heavens, even from within the church itself. And the fact is that in the story of the ascension that the Gospels contain, they also invite us to lift up our eyes to the heavens. Whenever the, the apostles were gathered with our Lord in that place between, uh, between the temple and, and Bethany, on the way to Bethany, our Lord was speaking with His disciples, and then He came, He, he gave His final, His final words, His final exhortation, the Great Commission, and then He ascended, right? And so He just went up into the heavens. And it's beautiful, the, the art, artistic depictions of these things. Sometimes it shows our Lord, who looks like He's kind of levitating on the ground a little bit. He's, you know, a few feet off the ground, and they're all just kind of like, what's going on here, right? My favorite depictions are the ones where all you see are the feet of Jesus sticking out of the clouds, because he's, he's already gone up. They kind of caught it in the, the last glimpse of our blessed Lord. But in these, in these images, as well as in the gospel itself, it, it depicts the, the apostles kind of watching this mystery take place, and, and their eyes are just gazing into the heavens um, and just marveling at this mystery, kind of in, in shock and awe that, that, that Jesus just shot off into the sky. An absurd thought, not something one would have anticipated or expected. And so they're just kind of in shock at the thing when, as they are gazing into the skies, an angel appears next to them and says, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? He's going to come back just in the same manner, but then to paraphrase, now get to work, You've got work to do now that all of these things have taken place. The mission is unfolding before your eyes. Don't simply gaze in the heavens to be ready to build the kingdom. And this is what the Ascension really does for us as well. If he, the mystery of the Ascension is an opportunity for us to, to place our eyes on Christ and then to contemplate His rising into the heavens to that place of glory, to bring our humanity, which He united by virtue of His incarnation in Our Lady's womb, that our humanity, our common humanity, has been lifted up into the heavens And as the Feast of the Ascension tells us, where the head is gone, the body is called to follow. Christ, the head is gone. We, the body, will one day follow. And it's for us to to allow this, to encourage us and to lift up our hearts, just in the same manner as as the Ascension literally lifted the eyes of the apostles and disciples into the heavens, so also our hearts should be lifted up as our eyes would be lifted up. And so, it's for us to come and to rejoice in this mystery, to allow it to do what it is meant to do and, and increase our hope. Because the fact is that uh, it's not a, not a secret that this world experiences, we experience uh, things that weigh our hearts down. We experience things that, that cause us uh, sort, of, sort of feeling low, depression, discouragement, even despair. It's these facts, the reality of this world, and, and really all of it is simply sin and its consequences. This sin and, and its consequences that has merited for us um, concupiscence and inclination towards sin. is merited for us death and illness and suffering and pain, the departures of this earthly life, a separation from God where God kind of feels like He is distant from us at times. These and many other things that we all experience at different points in our life, all of this… Are things that can weigh us down. And so the Lord comes to be able to, to lift our hearts, to be able to lift our minds up to Him, to lift our eyes to the heavens in the same manner as the apostles and disciples, and thus to strengthen us, to give us hope. And so we come to seek this hope. And it's the fact that, that hope is so absolutely necessary for us Viktor Frankl, the, uh, the survivor in the, the Nazi concentration camps in Auschwitz, it was there that he, being a psychologist, reflected upon the, the reality of the, the men who were around him, how those who lost hope, who didn't have something to look forward to in the future, whether it was for himself to be able to, to rewrite his book that had been stolen and burned, or to be able to possibly be reunited with family or to go back to one's, uh, to one's homeland or one's home or uh, to any number of things, whatever it was that, that gave them hope, if they held on to hope, they survived very well. But as soon as one lost hope, as soon as hope was, was no more clung to, as soon as they didn't have something to anticipate in the future, very quickly they died. He said it was, it was a remarkable thing. You could almost see when the light went out and you knew it was only a matter of a few days. It was a fact of things that hope guaranteed life, or at least greatly increased it. And so for us to hold on to hope is a message that, that allows us to endure the things of this earthly life and to gain the fullness of life for which we were created. All of us must bear hardships all of us have trials and things that we endure, just like St. Peter reminded us in our second reading today. But he encourages us to persevere in these things and to hold on to hope, to hold on to heaven, really, because that's what our hope is founded on. As the person of Jesus who has taken our humanity and brought it elsewhere, and reminding us of that, uh, and reminding ourselves of that fact, is simply to acknowledge that, that we were not made to stay here. We were not made simply for this earthly world. We were made for God. This is why our hearts long for Him. This is why our hearts, you know, kind of rebel at the fact of, of illness and death and goodbyes and farewells and all the, all the things of sin and its consequences in this life. Our natural, our natural inclination is to, is to rebel against them, to hate them, and it's proper because they are not natural to us. They were imposed upon us because of our sin. And in the midst of these things, It is for us to remember that one day, all of this will cease. Everything that we loathe in this world, everything that causes us depression, despair, discouragement, all of it will cease. and We will have God. We will have the one for whom we were created and whom our hearts long to be united to. I'm reminded of this specifically in the the fact of, of other witnesses in the life of the church just of the last century particular individuals come to mind of those who in many ways were stripped of so many things and yet were able to hold on to hope. was One of them is Father Walter Chiszek, who has a book entitled, He Leadeth Me, and another entitled, With God in Russia. And these are accounts where where he, as a a Jesuit priest seeking to go out on mission, thinking that things would be uh, fantastic, a fantastic joy in, in living this priestly life and going out to evangelize and, and do missionary work, found himself arrested and working for, I think, 25 years or so in a Siberian work camp, crushing rocks, spending days in isolation uh, due to these things, unable to minister properly even to his fellow Christians because as soon as anyone might find out and anyone might be a snitch, anyone that would snitch, would, they would get a reward and everyone else would be persecuted even further. And yet, in the midst of his isolations, in the midst of his persecutions, he bore it all with hope. And he survived, and he lived. And he was able to write the story of how, in the midst of the darkest times of his life, hope actually increased in him. Holiness of life increased in him. That there was something more that he was able to live and to endure in all of these things and find meaning in ministering to his brothers alongside him, in the, in the most kind of various ways that were permitted by the times. Another individual is Cardinal Van Tuan. He's a cardinal of the church. Uh, he was made a cardinal of the church at the time. He was simply a bishop, but he too was, was taken by his government uh, and imprisoned in solitary confinement uh, for a number of years, over a decade. And he too attests to the same story, holding on to hope, holding on to Christ Jesus. They could take everything else away, but they could not take Christ. They could not take away his ability to pray. And in the end, for both of them and for all of us, they cannot take heaven from us. The world can attempt to take anything away from us, and it may do a great job of it. We may in the end, in some manner, find ourselves feeling rather like our blessed Lord who was stripped of all of his possessions, all of his clothing, even most of his friends and family. And he got ridicule and mockery and scourgings and beatings instead in the end. But holding to the Father, holding to the love of the Father, holding to the Father's will, he knew that that was not the end of the story. And all of this was allowed by his Father that something even greater might await. And so it's for us to experience and to know the same, that amidst the trials of this earthly life, in whatever form they come to us, it is to hold fast to hope, it is to hold fast to Christ Jesus, and to remember in the depths of our heart and the depths of our soul that all of these things will fade. There will be a day where there will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more illness. There will be no more death. There will be no separation. There will be no feeling like God is distant from us. Every good desire of the human heart will be fulfilled far beyond our understanding. And the greatest of joys that we can experience in this life, all of them smashed together even, will pale in comparison to what will be ours for the taking. It is for us to simply hold on to hope. It is to hold on to Christ, to cling faithfully to him. And even whenever we fall short in our sins, whenever we fall short in our weakness, it is to turn to him in his mercy and to know that there is hope always for us, that there is a beginning that can be again, And it is for us to hold on to these things, to cling faithfully to Christ and look forward to the day where, in the midst of all of it, it will eventually cease. And we'll be able on that day to behold the face of our God, He who is the fulfillment of our hope, the fulfillment of our faith, to be able to look upon Him with all the love within us.